That's a spicy meatball. These are all opinions. Do not get your jimmies wrestled. Every opinions are like buttholes. You have to wipe your opinions, otherwise they get brown streaks in your pants. With that little disclaimer out of the way, greetings, everyone. I am the Hipster Snack, joined today by the brothers Kupugam, Ditaku, and Noodle. Well, not all of us. There's there's well, one of us missing. That's true. It is, but... said that, it is said that if we get the third one together, our true powers will combine and we'll be really, really annoying. Yeah. That All might, we need to yeah. do is just get Yeah, it's like the time I had a Dwarf Fortress game and named all the dwarves after my friends, and you two died in a flood, and then you started haunting my fort because yeah. I couldn't find your waterlogged bodies, so you were just going around and mildly annoying everyone in the fort, and I'm like, oh, good, now he's annoying, and he can pass through walls. Uh, uh, joke's on me. Boogums are a subspecies of cat. We could already do that anyway. Ah, that's even more annoying. <laughs> Somehow. Today. I don't think we've ever understood cats. No, no. I think Reginald perfectly understands cats. I, I think he does. I think his knowledge is actually uh, pretty on the money. That said, we are here today to uh, to, to do a, a talk that we've been discussing for a while. Not because we haven't uh, wanted to do it. But because I'm an idiot and I kept ending up being late and Noodle was like, deuces, I'm out. And he would teleport back into the Forgotten Realm with the eternal impress of all space and time. And I'm just like, sorry, bro, I tried. Yeah, it's not my fault that all y'all are (laughs) later in the space-time continuum than me. Nope, there's one uh, cog shares your moment in the space-time continuum. But literally only cog. (laughs) <laughs> but Cog is never here for other reasons. Yeah, because he's a normie. Yeah. Yes. But, uh, we're going to talk about effective and good world building. You need to go over like and just like uh, photo bomb Cog's house there. <laughs> I mean, you you two actually live relatively close to each other. You could do. I mean, it, yeah. I'm- I I could do that, but that would involve me going to the state that he lives in. And yeah, I, I don't blame Noodle for being hesitant on that. What are you talking about? We all live in the state of denial. Unless you're talking about the state of confusion. In which case, I visit there frequently. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
Speaking of states that make up the greater whole, world building, which is why we're here today. And it's, as as our little warning there at the intro, the lies, um, gonna have some spicy takes today. I think all of us probably will. (laughs) We Uh, talked about this, we talked about this a little bit when uh, Noodle and I were giving our dissertation on how a realist hero saved the kingdom. Because like a lot of shows, a lot of manga, a lot of light novels can be very slapdash in their world building. Uh-huh. And and that was certainly no exception. And I feel a little bad listening back to that episode again, because Clockwork the entire time was like, oh, and you guys want me to read these? Like, no, no, it's actually good. <laughs> Just <laughs> you, you can point out something's flaws and still enjoy it. Yeah, it's yeah. not our fault that we're pedantic assholes. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of the problem with the fact that not only we have uh, breadth of uh, knowledge, but we also, you know, are, all of us are autodidacts in our own way, so we kind of, you know, accumulate stuff, and then we all also happen to have that funny personality quirk where we're like, Hey, I just learned something. This is the thing, and we go, "Oh, that's cool." So we have this huge, you know, wealth of, of information that we can draw on. So yeah, uh, so it's like we we can kind of understand and, and go, you know, I understand that this is deeply flawed, but darn it, I still like it. Yep. And that that is, you know, just kind of something you have to learn to deal with. I think, honestly, that the people best suited to offer valid critique are the people mostly ingrained in said thing. Like, you have to to know it, be able to point out, hey, here's what's wrong. This is why uh, I actually really like it when my buddy Gym Leader Ed has, has thoughts on Pokemon. Uh, because I remember seeing this whole... He posted a Twitter thread, and it was like, hey, guys, like I'm not... I'm not like fully sold on uh, Scarlet and Violet's DLC content. I'm not sure if I should do that. And I remember there was like a, a couple comments in that thread that were like, oh, well, you're a content creator, so you're going to do it anyway. And then Ed's response, I was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to. Screw that. <laughs> it, it was pretty glorious, actually. <laughs> Wait, no, that's not what you're supposed to do. Come back. Give us free content. And he was just like, nope, don't think I will. Oh. I'm like, wow, Ed, that was based. So, yeah. But, that, but that's was the, it red pills? Wow, that, that is an excellent question. That is an excellent question. Now, world building, the fundamentals of world building are, are actually fairly simple on paper. But the execution is oftentimes where uh, the authors tend to make their mistakes. Because, first off, not only can it be somewhat dependent on genre, it can also uh, vary a bit by the story you're trying to tell. Like, not in the genre sense, but in the sense of the characters, if they live on boring, everyday Earth, what, what is it about your your earth that should compel us or, or make it, uh, is there a twist in the myth or is it literally just earth as we know it today? All those things matter. They matter a great deal. 
what if it's actually both those things where it's actually the earth of this world is is actually the uh, nursery slash you know playpen of you know people who are too weak and uh, too inflexible to withstand the complexities and power of the outside worlds. Not that you know I would ever know any stories that did that. No, of course not. That would be ridiculous. Yeah. Yes, but um, honestly, I th my personal kind of bugaboo is twofold. First off, it's a lot of people, and I, and I kind of fall, I will freely, I, I've personally fallen into the first uh, category um, until I kind of found my way. Um, and that is uh, a lot of older authors kind of were, were in an entirely different paradigm. They're, the books that were around you know, even 50 years ago, were very different things than what is on the market now. And unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know, it's just kind of a thing that is, uh, the, the titans of our literary genres have kind of not changed that much. But um, what is like, what kind of is, makes a good story in the modern sense um, it, it has and uh, so you, you look at things like Lord of the Rings or Dune where they're like oh yes I have you know this 300 page appendix that explains all this stuff and so you know cute little like 12 13 year old Jitaku, who's like, yes, I'm just going to add an appendix. And having read Terry Pratchett, who has, you know, asides and footnotes on every page explaining things, I'm just going to go, oh, I'm just going to add, you know, footnotes and an appendix. And, you know, if I went back in time and be like, dude, no one's going to read it. It's funny with Terry Pratchett because they're kind of, you know, like, you know, it's, it's a nod and a wink, you know, yeah. See, it's funny because, you know, ordinarily, these aren't used like this. But no one otherwise would read that. And I'm kind of an outlier even then. I really went out of my way to look for those. Um, it, it's just, it's extraneous. And as cool as it is, for instance, like Noah and Dune, when the, when the Fremen are talking about, oh, you know, don't worry, you'll get your own Mala pistol soon enough. And you go, ah, oh, Mala pistol. That's a dark pistol that's used because gunpowder, you know, gets stopped by shields, but the dark pistols are, are pneumatic, and so they actually are subsonic, so they can pass through the shields. And you'll know that if you read the appendix. But it's like one throwaway line that really is not necessary. There's an entire paragraph of what Mala pistols are and you know, why they're around. And even like the entire the entire like uh, strategy of, for instance, shield fighting, which is kind of glossed over, is once again brought up in the appendix. But you know, it's so you you have that. But on the other hand, you have. <sighs> yeah. You ready? Here we go. You have the incredibly artificial stilted universes. And what do I mean by this? Uh, take, for instance, um, 
this is not going to make me very popular, but uh, he's uh, about to do it, Steven guys. Universe. Steven Universe or Avatar: The Last Airbender. You look at these worlds and you go, okay. So they have the four nations, for instance, in, in, in Avatar. They have the four nations. Okay, you know that makes sense. And each nation has a tribe. All right, but it's you know, oh, it's the the Earth tribe. What is their nation called? Earth tribe, Earth kingdom. That that's it. Or what about the bad guys? Oh, they're the Fire Nation. Really, they're not like Caloria or like Peria or you know Firian. They're they're just Fire Nation. Yep. Yep. Wow. Did 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 the showrunners like literally do this in like fifteen minutes? Because the more I learn about Avatar's world building, the more it's like this seems less like you know this is a oh, huge sweeping you know epic that they had planned for years, and more like oh man, you know I've said I was going to DM, and I haven't really you know I've been working. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've been working 40 hours, studying for my finals, taking care of my sick goat, sick goat. You know, and and now you know. Uh, all right, fine. You gotta you gotta find the four artifacts before Comet come and the bad guy win. Uh, okay, where do we gotta go? Fire Nation, Earth Nation, Water Nation. Yeah, go. You know. Yeah, it really seems like they turned in the wrong draft of the of the script that just had like brackets um fire nation because we needed to come up with a name so it's a, a fire nation as a placeholder it's like oh and everything changed when the fire nation attacked and then that was in the first episode and they're like well now we can't change it well it would be too much of a pain to change it or you know explain it away it's like oh no that's Fire Nation is like a common nickname for that region of the world, and their actual names. No, that's too much effort. Uh huh. Yep. And, yep. And, and, and that's the thing. Like, it's not even. It doesn't. It's not even limited to the names. I watched a little bit of the show because, like, people would not shut up about it. So I was like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll see what the big deal is because. You know, I've run into those situations before where I knocked it before I tried it and then I ate the words after the fact. And I don't particularly care to eat my words. They need a bit of salt. So, I... What? I thought that your words were full of so much salt that it was a, the FDA considered them a dietary hazard. Yeah, but like Snackberg doesn't believe in things like government oversight. So, we don't have that. Your your words are so salty that you know that Cog just you know kind of tips you over the side when he needs salt for his margaritas. <laughs> I mean, I want to say something, but it's like, no, shut up, Sh- shut up. That <laughs> uh, at any rate, I watched a little bit of the show. And the whole thing I kept seeing is like, oh, the Fire Nation is it's the bad guy nation. Why are they bad? Because they have industry. Really? 
Yes. That they're they're evil and they have industry and they want to conquer. Why do they want to conquer? They they, they just do. Okay? But like <laughs> Why? Is there resources that the Fire Nation is lacking in that they're they're trying to compensate for via these invasions? No, they they just want to to, to, to rule the world. Okay, okay, like fine. You know, like we said, a villain doesn't necessarily have to be super deep and super political and super complex. A villain that is simple can still work just fine. But here's the thing: there's no reason. They don't care. They're invading because they're the bad guys, and they're the bad guys. There go. They're invading, and that's the entirety of of the whole to do. And I know there's already people. There's at least like ten people in the comments right now, like already hammering their keyboards as hard as they can. Like, no, snake, you don't understand. Dubis and and Gubis were at war, and because their ancestors. Dude, it's an excuse plot. All that crap was written later in development, and it shows. Like, any kind of attempt at making their invasion more complex than surface-level villainy is retcons. And it, and it just it shows, okay? And, and here's the thing. I know a lot of it is a matter of comparison, because I know like a lot of people are like, well, it's a kid's show, so therefore you have to lower your standards. Like, no, no, I don't. There are lots of great kid shows. The, 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 the Thundercats reboot back in the early aughts was great. Not aughts, was, aught, was oh, that aught, was. aught 10? I forgot the exact year. Uh, 2011. It was okay. 2011. And I, I know this because that's, that's uh, the year I started working as a teacher. And I was like, man, 2011 is great. I have a job again. Uh, you know, Thundercats came back. <laughs> and then it was only around season. I was like, uh, that show was gone too soon. It was a really, really good season too. It was. Yeah, no, it, it was, was great. great. And, and they took time to add nuance and, and kind of explain on things and be like, okay, this is why things are the way they are. And this is like how it all interconnects into the broader spectrum of the world. And I'm like, I'm on board. Like, I wasn't even a fan of the you 80s know? show. I didn't see it oh. until a certain Pugum was like, hey, Snack, <laughs> I got this on DVD. Do you want to watch it? And I said, okay, Yutaku, I'll, I'll, I'll see your hand and I'll raise. And if you, if I watch this with you, you're watching the 87 Ninja Turtles. And he was like, you're on. <laughs> uh, all right. And so, yeah, we watch it. At which point then there's this one bit where Tiger is like lying. And he looks at the camera is wrong. And I'm like, hmm, I don't remember yo being this on the nose. He turned to me and go, yeah, think. <laughs> Hey, it's not our fault that, you know, Puga Mama was so into Thundercats that it was a very pivotal part of our youth. Uh, and and I'm, not, I'm not faulting you. I, I have my own weird furry animal human show in the Ninja Turtles. So like, I get it. And I, I, will, I will share a fun story. And this, this story will tickle me till the day I die. <laughs> because I got the DVD box set for Z-Ranger. The footage upon which Mighty Morphin Power Rangers would go on to be based. And we were watching, and Dutaku was just like, wow, this is like so much more violent and nihilistic than Power Rangers could ever dream of being. And he whips out his phone, and I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, hang on, hang on, I have to call my mom. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay. 
And he's like, hey, mom, I'm watching Power Rangers. You can't stop me. And she just goes, that's nice. And he's like, uh, I, you, but you're supposed to be upset. <laughs> you told me not to watch this show. <laughs> True. He's like, that's nice. You're, you're, you're an adult now. You can do what you want. I'm like, no, I am an adult. <laughs> yes, that was, that was Puga Mama's very big sticking point. We weren't allowed to watch Power Rangers. Oh, we weren't allowed to watch like, violent shows in general. But somehow the series with an incredibly flamboyant ancient evil mummy sorcerer that, you know, would go around and like, steal people's souls. It's okay. <laughs> that but, one's you know, okay. Power Rangers, which, you know, the Power Rangers, which had, you know, uh, dinosaur-powered fairies that, you know, were fighting against Satan. Nah, we can't have them. <laughs> but, you know, you know, muscle David Bowie and Tutankhamen. Yeah, yeah. That's nah, fine. that's that's fine. That's all good. <laughs> um, yes, Puga Mama is many things. Consistent is not one of them. <laughs> that does seem I'm to fit. Her that, that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling Mom. You know who said? I'm now glad that I live several thousand miles away. <laughs> Implying that she won't just reach the computer screen and slap you with a good one. Ah, yes, I, I know you Pugums can do that. That's happened to me on a number of occasions. Yes, Pugum powers are are a hell of a drug. I'm just trying to read my emails, and suddenly this little paw comes out, and like, pow, <laughs> and it goes back in, and I'm like, ah, what the, what, Ditaku? All right, circling back and around to the the point. <laughs> World building. World building. Setting. Actually, this is a good... Uh, we just came up with a really good point of uh, compare and contrast. Let's talk about Power Rangers and Zyuranger. Because I, I think there's a lot to be gleaned here. Because in the very first episode of Power Rangers, they're just like, okay, Rita's dumpster is open, and this crazy lady is back, and we're just going to like abduct five random friends who really are just like kids who do martial arts because it's fun. And we're going to turn them into our own private army <laughs> and set them out into this war they do not fully understand. And they're just like, yeah, cool. Okay, we'll, we'll do it. Yeah, it's basically a proxy war between two immortal wizards who are sending uh, their, their pawn soldiers to fight each other. Yeah. And, and like, Zyranger is arguably even crazier because Bandora the Witch, that's her actual name, by the way, it's Bandora. She even sings a very catchy song about herself and how amazing she is. That's, a, that's the reason why her, the Rita's Fortress has this giant sign that says Bandora Palace. In it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they got rid of that. Yeah. So Bandora. Okay, long story short, spoiler warning, whatever, I don't care. If you haven't watched it by now, you're not gonna, so whatever. Bandora lost her son to dinosaurs. Dinosaurs killed her son. So she's angry. So she basically goes to Satan, actual biblical Satan, and goes, hey, 
I want to cause an extinction event and kill the dinosaurs. And Satan's like, okay, but you're going to have to sign this contract that has really nebulously defined terms. And Bandora's like, well, I see no way this can go wrong. And one of the things he does is Satan <laughs> takes her memory away, but he leaves the desire. So she knows she wants to kill the dinosaurs, but she doesn't remember why. <laughs> so she goes, she goes ape and starts just attacking with random monsters in her legions. And the, 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 the heroes are these like ancient, ancient, hardened veteran warriors who've been in deep magical cryostasis until something happens such that it would force them to be needed again. And yeah, I want to say they're from the Yosei, they're a fairy clan. Basically, all of the, the quote unquote humans, there, there's a few of them, like the Guardian, who is basically this like, he looks like a fat little, uh, just, you know, cheery Buddhist monk, but he's actually just this, you know, incredibly, impossibly ancient uh, caretaker for these uh, warriors. Yep. Um, yeah, so yeah, they're just a bunch of like, these weird immortal dinosaur people. And you just exist. And it gets crazier because the Zords, like the big mechas that, that Zordon built in order to, to have a counter to Rita's growing spell, they are actual spirits of the dinosaur tribes who died out and have manifested. And they're like, okay, we're gonna give you our power, but there's gonna be a lot of stipulations. And they're like, what do you mean? They're like, well, we're not giving you weapons. You know those little like daggers that they can like turn to guns that are like a little tiny sidearm? That's all they get to start the series off. They don't get their weapons right away. They have to go into literal actual hell to get their weapons. It is absolutely insane. And they're like, oh, by the way, people who are alive shouldn't be in hell, which is kind of a no-death statement on its face. But then they're like, oh, if a living person stays in hell too long, you just turn to stone and you're trapped in hell forever. So you guys are on a time limit. And we're just going to kind of yank your chain because it's funny to us. And we're not going to let you actually transform into your suits during this bit. <laughs> why do they do this? They're jerks. That's why. <laughs> yeah, they actually had a bit. In all of this, where um, they had, you know, the, the requisite small little boy sidekick who went with them, and because he stayed too long in the underworld, he actually, they, they like, made a cast of this little kid in concrete, and they're like, no, he turned to stone! <laughs> and I, uh, and I, I remember I was laughing at it, and you were like, you know, that probably traumatized some Japanese salaryman from life. <laughs> He's like, no, I can't, I can't run late because I'll turn to stone. Uh, and then, yeah, which is funny, like, uh, which is funny, actually, in hindsight, because, like, you know, for all the, all the guff that everyone's like, oh, oh, you know, the Green Ranger is evil. It's like Dragon Caesar is comparatively like, supportive of Gorai compared to the way that, you know, the, the other uh, spirits are. Yeah, are Dragon Caesar is just like, hey, you want me to do this? Cool, bro, I'll do it. He actually gets upset when Borai dies. Yeah, he actually and mourns I, for I, him. I, I do not see the other one. They'd be like, <laughs> whatever. Got to go poop out a new one. Like, the, one of my favorite episodes, it was fairly early on, they go to... 
this island. And they're like, hey, we have found the last actual dinosaur egg. And it's not fossilized. It's alive. And it's actually like, it's going to hatch into a dinosaur someday. And this whole island of people exists purely for the sake of protecting this egg until the day it hatches. And at some point, a monster stole the egg from the island. And so the dinosaur spirits were so mad that they made all the people on the island into, like, monkey people. <laughs> and they're just like, you have to stay that way forever. And, like, the rangers get the egg back. And they're like, oh, well, it's okay now, right? And the dinosaur spirits are like, pfft. No, they're staying monkey people. Like once you make us mad, you're on you're on the list forever. You never ever get a second chance with us. And I'm like, holy crap, dude. <laughs> uh-huh. Like the the, the 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 broader point here is Zoo Ranger paints a really colorful picture of a world that's kind of bleak and dystopian. Whether it means to or not is beside the point. <laughs> I mean, you could argue a lot of Tokusatsu is really bleak. Like, even Car Ranger, it's like, look, you know, you, you got to think about the, the state of things in the galaxy. If, you know, uh, basically youth gangs can go around and just do whatever they want. They could terrorize entire planets. And all that, you know, the, the galactic police can go, stop, no, stop. We'll send our one officer we have to stop you. Uh, no. You, you better stop. You know, and they're like, yeah, whatever, granddad. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I thought he would stop after I said, please stop three times. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, the, 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 the point I'm actually trying to make is, like, world building can be very subtle and gradual and incremental. And a lot of Toku tended to take that tack because you only have so many minutes in your show to make your point. Whereas Power Rangers... Also the fact that a lot of them, a lot of them uh, at least uh, were like 52 episodes. Yeah. So they they had a lot of of time to kind of, you know, pace things out. Right. And and since all of it is essentially serial and, and you could watch it more or less any order to a certain greater or lesser extent. Like when you get to power Rangers, status quote doesn't change until they were forced to have it change. Like the whole thing is like, Oh, well we've run out of zero ranger footage. Now what do we do? Well, we'll just use the next Sentai in line. Well, it's different. Yeah, that, that's fine. We'll just keep using the same suits and we'll just use the new Zords and explain it. It's like, Oh, well they, they transform into mystic beasts and stuff. Just CG it. The kids are too dumb to know the difference. Like, what little lore, and I, I know, again, I hear the comments already coming, yeah, Power Rangers has deepest lore in IDW. I don't care about IDW. I said it before I said it again. IDW is crap, and you shouldn't support them. Anyway, the whole thing that they do with the Power Rangers lore is they faked it till they made it. <laughs> oh, Zordon is this ancient wizard. Cool, cool. What else? Well, nothing else. Not until we absolutely have to change the story to make something on screen look passable. Oh, by the way, like he's this Elamau and there's all this weird stuff. And the morphing grid is our, it's the force, but it's not the force and colorful costumes for some reason. And yeah, we're not really going to ever explain it except for like as much as we need to in order to keep selling you toys. 
basically <laughs> what you're saying is a space battle is going to have its own live-action series. Uh, you are raising the stakes on me really fast on this. <laughs> I, I do need to sit space, down. Space battle. Space man. battle is going to have its own season three <laughs> that's going to change everything forever. Slash not clickbait. <laughs> the twist is not that you know the main character and the princess are siblings because that would be weird. We don't play that game here. No, the twist is that well, the princess and the main character are the same person. Da da. Oh, so instead of Empire Strikes Back, we're now. Um, wow, you know now now somebody's going to be like, "Wow, you're really dumb, Diago. You can't remember this." Uh, it's, uh, man. Okay, now this is gonna really irritate me. Uh, Tyler Durden, Fight Club, right, Fight Club, yeah, Fight Club, yeah. So <laughs> instead of Empire Strikes Back, we're Fight Club. Yeah, basically. Or we yeah. could deadly premonition it, and it's just like you—you you saw the main character because that was the dominant personality, but it turns out their actual identity was the princess the whole time. You know, I I could see that, and actually, I think that that, and then also having it be the Fight Club thing, where you know they were both the same person, would actually be interesting too. I think it could work. I'll see if I can work that yeah. out. I have to get you know Cinco to you know plot vomit for me, so I can figure out what direction I'm going with it. The the point is, world building can be simple. World building can be complex. It also leads to dinosaur spirits who are also total jerks who <laughs> do not care if you even fix your mistake because you made that mistake and now you're a monkey forever. Mm -hmm. Whereas world building that is deliberately kept simple can be entertaining. L let me extend my olive branch here. Power Rangers, when it's good, it's good. And I mean, it's good in kind of a dumb way, but it's good. It's entertaining. It's good stuff. Now, Power Rangers, when it's trying really hard to be edgy, is the precise opposite. It kind of has the Shadow the Hedgehog problem, where it's like, this is completely tone-deaf to what the rest of this series actually is, and you have no idea what you're doing. This is you just trying to explain, no, 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 guys, you don't understand. Tattoo Teenage Alien Fighters is actually really, really good. <laughs> no, like, okay. We don't talk about world building. We talk about a show that just did not care because they're like, oh, yeah, that weird, like, pulsating, like, alien mass creature. Yeah, that used to be, like, the, the supreme general of goodness who just got, like, pulverized. Oh, and this is not the first time he's in, used child labor, and he admits it. He freely just is like, oh, this is not the first time. I've lost a lot. Like, there's a lot of dead teenagers on my hands, so to speak, given that I don't have those anymore. <laughs> like we actually well, see no, one of them. He still has hands. He still has hands. Oh, that's right. Because like, like he can extend the hand out of the slime, right? Yeah, I forgot yeah. that. Yeah, and and the, like there's a bit where we actually see one of the other heroes, and there's like this really sad moment where he's like having a flashback to the battle where all of his friends died. He's like, "Guys, where'd you go, <laughs> guys?" And I'm like. Wow, you literally dropped the child soldier has PTSD and terrible trauma in the middle of this goofy, goofy, goofy Ameritoku series. Yeah. 
be perfectly honest, Tattoo Teenage Alien Fighters is way better than it had any right to be. It did. It, it, it was. It awesome. had like. It had like a budget, and it was clear that it had like a shoestring, like shoe, you know, like thread shoestring budget. But I mean, you know, it was internally consistent. It was really funny, and uh, you know, honestly, I I thought it was a pretty fun watch. It was, and, and that weirdly enough, that show actually had like fairly consistent ideas throughout. And it's like, yeah, you could basically, it's one of those series where you could basically watch the episodes in any order and it would still basically make sense. But they, they get to this bit towards the end and they're just like, oh yeah, like there's this, this intergalactic war has been going on forever, but if we lose earth, that's it. We're, we're, we're all just going to die. And there's literally nothing that's going to stop the universe from being conquered. And I'm like, that's, that's dark for a kid's show. N- never mind your fire nation stuff. Yeah, honestly, I think I think part of uh, part of the crux of the issue is the fact that you know, I, I think you know if me extending my olive branch, you know, filming at it from the other side, of, you know, as a creative, you, you spend a lot of time just and a lot of brain power just thinking up this, thing. and so at the very end, you're like, okay, dumb, you know, children who are my readers, you know, open your eyeball mouths. I'm going to just jam all my, you know, some lore in there. Whereas, you know, that's what you want to do, but you kind of have to learn that lore is like a spice. You can't put it all, you can't just dump it onto something. You need to sprinkle it, put a little bit, put a little bit, put a little bit. Because otherwise, you're just going to go, good lord, it's like I'm reading from a textbook. <laughs> you're reading Moby Dick over I, here. Yeah, it's like, you know, no, you know, some people might like it, like me, but, you know, other people, like, the, you know, everyone else will not like it. So, yeah. Yeah, and the, the, the thing with the appendices is... Uh, you cram too much in there all at once, you're going to get appendicitis and the whole thing is going to explode. Okay. You have, you have to be, got to be careful with, with how you do this because you don't want to info dump, especially if the info is not currently relevant. You want to introduce it in such a way that not only is it organic, but it's also conducive for the plot. If you're going to have this moment where you're like, okay, I'm going to throw this brick in the air and I'm going to revisit this like 20 chapters later. And it's going to pay off. You have to do it in a way that makes sense. If you're clumsy about it, people are going to notice. Hey, by the way, guys, did I tell you about X thing that I'm carrying in my pocket right now? That would be super convenient in a really niche situation. No? Well, I do. Professor, but Professor, what if the villain and the hero are having a riddle contest and and the, the hero is like, I can't think of any of the riddles. But I have something really neat in my pocket. He'll never find it in my pocket. <laughs> then he could use that. That's how you could determine. And I mean, uh, you know, kind of as a corollary to what you were talking about. So I was not now, going that direction, right. but that is a fascinating counterpoint, actually. Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of going off of your thought, you know. Yeah. Using your lore in order to propel your story 
is also, I think, a good strategy. It is. Because, um, you know, having a situation whereupon, um, for instance, if you have, shall we say, you know, a, a, a incredibly powerful warrior species, and if they see refractive light, they transform into a form that's much smaller than their usual form. And that's going to inconvenience them. You know, but you want them to be inconvenienced, but that's going to cause a wrinkle to what your hero is doing. You know, that can be something interesting. And so you can build your story, your plot around this. And also you are given the opportunity to explain and go, Yes, this particular warrior race has this particular quirk of their genetics, you know, and you can kind of explore them while also having it be relevant and not just go, hey, guys, did you know GND stat lock? You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. There's a, there's a way to handily introduce important details to your story in an organic fashion where it makes sense both to the reader and to the character experiencing it. This is why mentors are very common in most types of storytelling, because the mentor has knowledge, the main character wants knowledge. And he's like, hey, little Jimmy Jimmy, did I ever tell you about the time that I showed Batman that you know, punching poor people is not necessarily the way to solve poverty? Wow, Snacks Dad, I didn't realize you were a mentor. <laughs> of course my dad's a mentor. He's taught me everything I know. Except Monster Rancher. I had, had to figure that one out on my own. Yeah, and then it turns out that, you know, Snack Dad's going to come in and be like, of course, my boy, because you had to learn. And so I can teach you about Monster Rancher because you had to learn in order to, you know, stand on your own or, you know, slither on your own. Tommy. <laughs> I mean, now we kill Salamander. I mean, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I watched the anime and then I played the games and I'm like, wow, the anime basically taught me nothing. This game has nothing to do with the anime. <laughs> it really doesn't. No. <laughs> it's, I enjoyed the watch, but it's like, wow, this, this did not actually help me in any meaningful way. I am, in, I am not well, even doing the training thing where they were just throwing mangoes at Genki. That's the well, thing that happens. To be perfectly honest, be perfectly honest uh, the Pokemon anime is really nothing like the also, games either. Also that. You know, because none of, the, none of the gym leaders end up in a, you know, oh no, we're in this wacky situation. We can't fight anymore. I guess I'll just have to give you my badge. Oh, wow, no. I did it! I turned the sprinkler like, no, system no, on, and now I beat Brock. You didn't beat me, you cheating butthole. Even as a kid, I was like, that, that's, that wouldn't work. That's not how any of this works. Yeah, <laughs> I like the importance of maintaining setting consistency across forms of media. Yeah, see, that's a thing. People notice continuity. Like, even little kids notice continuity. I talked a little bit about this when we were doing our uh, Shredder's Revenge playthrough. Because there's 
early on, like season one, I think it's like the second or third episode, they show Rocksteady and Bebop getting mutated. And we learn they were street toughs. And Shredder's like, oh, you know, if you undergo this mutation, you'll get strength beyond your wildest dreams and you'll be able to get revenge on those who wronged you. Like a couple seasons later, there's a bit where Rocksteady and Bebop end up at the New York Zoo. And they're like, this is the zoo that we lived in before they took us and mutated us. And I'm like, what? You didn't live in the New York Zoo. You were humans. And like, even Little Snack yeah. was just like, this This makes no sense whatsoever. You know, this is funny because this just proves to me that, you know, we were destined to become friends because basically you just are like, yeah, so I was just an autistic even young. <laughs> I, oh my yeah, God, I wasn't going to say it, but it's true. Oh, man. Yeah, no. I mean, I had... I, I, I think I went over this a little bit in, in the G Gundam episode, but, like, it drove me up a wall when I was younger, when they were like, oh, yes, Domon, you can unlock the super mode. And Domon was like, but how can I learn this power? And I'm like, it's your Gundam. How do you not know a super mode is supposed to be in your Gundam? This is something that your dad would have been like, yes, I am the super mode. It's this thing that when you clear your mind, it will give you a power boost. And, you know, I, I didn't understand that it's like, this is basically him going Super Saiyan. It, it's not supposed to be like a function of the Gundam. It's supposed to be a function of him growing as a person yeah the the, the the i don't know i don't know if that's a dub issue or not because i haven't watched the subbed version because why would i watch g gundam without mark gatha i mean really but uh, yeah it's like i wonder if that's something that was actually explained properly or not in the original i don't know it has been literal years since i watched Gun the g gundam so i could not tell you fair Maybe yeah, I watched it with you, actually. Yep. We uh, watched it for the podcast episode, actually. We, we watched, like, a lot of Gundam. Season. That, that was the first season. Shut up. I know this one off the cuff. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing is, the one other reason I know that is because Gundam Month was, like, three months long in real life. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Cog was like MIA constantly. And the few times we could get him, either Ditaku or I were busy with something else. And so like it took forever. And we actually watched the totality of MS Gundam, G Gundam, Turn A Gundam, and Thunderbolt Gundam, like back to back to back to back to back. Yeah, that was not our uh smartest. No, idea. that was a bad plan. <laughs> that the, the 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 Mecha month in season three was much better organized, and season three is coming. It's coming. Season three is happening right now. Season two, you mean? Shut up! <laughs> Don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Fill in your bingo cards. We talked about season two. Trademark, copyright, all rights reserved. The accursed miss season. <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm just waiting for uh, season two to be our noodle incident, and we'll all just kind of look at each other with a knowing nod, and then no one will understand really what we're talking about. <laughs> Apart from it's just a thing that happened. It's gonna make even it less. Happen. It's gonna make less well, sense when season two actually is on the channel, and like we've been talking about it all throughout season three, but season three happened before season two, so newcomers of the channel will be like, 
what are they talking about? I just I got done watching season two. I don't get it. Uh, I mean, you know, so season two kind of was the noodle incident because that's when I made my channel debut. That's true, actually. That's when we actually revealed that the Tomoburos were seven, not three. Yes. Because uh, we did not reveal that right away. And there's only three characters on the banner art, which is something I plan to rectify sometime this year, maybe. Yes, my channel debut in the past, in the future. Yes. For, for $7, a seven noodle dollars a day, you too can, you know, subsidize the professor and have, you know, questionable art made of you. <laughs> what? Also, you can adopt this deck. In the arms of- <laughs> We're not paying for it. We're not paying for it. Cog's not here, so I have to say it. <laughs> like, the, the, no, hey, 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 there's, there, there has been world building on the channel. Let's talk about that for a second. Uh, the April Fool's episodes actually have had a unified continuity throughout. And I'm really proud of those episodes. It was a lot of work. You guys at home don't even know. Like, I literally took a day off work to finish the Godzilla episode on time. <laughs> like, it's a lot. And like, Wasn't it's that also the part where you literally had your vehicle, like, Mad Max? Like, yeah. Like, a month later, I actually had my car stolen. I posted about it on the Twitter feed. And I was like, this year's been un- unbelievable. <laughs> So like that, that's not even snack lore. That literally actually happened. My my car was legit, like stolen by a gang, like literal actual gang. Went around shooting people. It was crazy. <laughs> so uh, the the whole thing is like when the April Fool's episode started, the sketch was just so it was supposed to be self contained, and then the joke was like I was explaining the story wrong. I explained the mechanics wrong. I got all the characters' names wrong. Like, that was basically the joke. And the whole thing with Bad Doom was, like, kind of a stapled-on afterthought. And I was the only voice actor. Like, no one else was doing roles but me. And then, like, the next year, we're like, okay, we have to one-up it. And I was like, okay, well, that shouldn't be too difficult. And so I was like, oh, well, we could have this courtroom drama. And, we're like, we start with the courtroom drama, and then it would go into the review. And then I was like, I, I can't separate these. The story is there. It's tied to the courtroom drama. The courtroom drama is the review. And that's when we reveal uh, Sneckworth and the judge, Sneckman von Beardstein. (laughs) Uh, Characters who ended up becoming really popular, actually. Uh, And so I was really happy about that. I actually got a few uh, DMs about Sneckworth in particular, and they're like, what's his deal? Is he coming back? Yeah, he's coming back. Don't worry about that. (laughs) Even though he started off... Oh, good. Oh, I was just going to say a lot of it actually was, um, you know, just us going back and forth and, and utilizing kind of a setting that I had made for a comic that is still kind of coming. Like season um, two. Yeah. <laughs> except, you know, some of it is actually out rather unlike season two. Also true. Um, And, uh, yeah, to say it's, uh, you know, the, the April Fool's sketches versus the comic is kind of night and day is, uh, <laughs> because the comic is, like, dark and kind of depressing. 
and um, Sneck Sneckberg, and you know the, the silly little Snecks are not that. It's very wacky, jokey, zany, haha kind of world. Oh man, I sure do can't wait to get oppressed mercilessly by a bunch of immortal aliens. <laughs> uh, this next part's gonna be uh, gonna be really funny. Then <laughs> I wonder why he says it that way. That's a strange thing to say. Yes. Yeah, and actually, like people were were interested in the characters, and I was like, well, Snickworth was literally made to be a one-off antagonist. <laughs> and like mm-hmm. that's why like, if you if you go back and watch it, like there's this really snippy dialogue between Snack and Snackworth, and like it was much more hostile. And then like in Advent Rising a year later, they're like, Oh yeah, by the way, we've been friends since like elementary school. <laughs> like, is that why yeah. you two are so snippy with each other? <laughs> um, originally they they were going to have a friend who's going to kind of be their their like glue, but uh, and I really, really liked her as a character, but she, we, we don't know that many, you know, uh, voice actresses, so. Or we rather, never... we know them, we just can't afford to pay them, so. Yes. Yeah. And. Christina V, I love you. you <laughs> I love you. You are a voice uh, actress waifu. <laughs> like, I will fight this professor. For your hand. <laughs> You're not even playing as her character in River City Girls 2. I don't want to hear it from you. Well, neither are you. I am. No, Christina V? Yes. No, she's the... What? No. I thought she was the uh, the one side character. No, dude, she, she's the lead. Hmm. She, she's the black-haired girl. I'm not pulling the names out of a hat right now, so I'm feeling a little dumb. Well, yeah, she's dude. definitely not anything that is going on right now. <laughs> uh, Christina, okay, Christina V is a voice actress. She does a lot of dub work. She does Shantae. She did uh, a couple of the voices for uh, Neptunia. Yep. And I, yeah, so that that's what it is. Also, she is actually really cute. Yeah. So you know, it's not one of those things where it's like, wow, you have a really good. Ugh. You do not look like how your voice sounds. <laughs> no. So. She, she, very talented lady, uh, which is the point we're trying to make. But like, the, the, the whole thing then was like, oh, hey, you know, Snack and, and Snackworth are actually friends. And then we introduced Lounge Lizard, the most popular character on the channel and best friend to all. <laughs> that is such a weird meta joke. It's like, the, the 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 whole joke is that was literally the first time he'd ever shown up. That, mm-hmm. What are you the, talking oh, about? Yeah. No, yeah, many many long stories and his detailed character arcs that we learned about how he got to be the where he is and depth. Yes, yes, no. you know how he, of course, <laughs> how he was born the uh, the son of a poor Newman sharecropper, and you know he had to learn how to you know to. Uh, tell funny jokes and he had to survive and you know casinopolis even yes. after all you know the, the detailed stories the, and all yeah. of his flashbacks it, very important to the lore of the stack channel yes yes of course of course yes and uh 
Yeah, and uh, the, the Godzilla episode. Okay, the, the the thing you guys at home probably don't know, and I actually should do a video on this because there's so much to talk about. A lot of the things changed between conception and the actual script that we have today. Not the least of which was there were going to be about five or six speaking roles in that video instead of the four that there actually were. Because there was supposed to be a subplot line, the actual subplot line, because Snackworth was relaxing on the beach, drinking a fruity drink out of a coconut, when uh, Snakina Snekovich's submarine landed on the island by mistake. And she jumped out and was supposed to like start declaring her plans for world domination. And Snackworth is just kind of standing there awkwardly like, oh, uh, by the way, I, I can use everything you just said in court. You're under arrest. And that was supposed to segue into the elevator scene. And the actual reason Snack was supposed to be there was he was getting a copy of his pardon from the king of all internet so he could bronze it and frame it over his mantle, which is the actual reason he's just chilling out in City Hall. <laughs> And we couldn't do any of that. We couldn't do any of that. So I had to completely rewrite the intro, and that's why we got the ad sketch that we all know and love today. Although, to be fair, uh, we also were able to salvage part of that, which is why we have kind of the the teaser at the end of that one. Yes. That, that, that one ended up uh, becoming a bit cyclical, but it worked out pretty good. Ah... Uh, there's no other silly what the devil to be continued. I had more than a little bit of fun doing the arrow going across the screen animation. Snackworth will return. <laughs> Question mark? Of course. No, he will, he will return. He, he will. He's, he's, yeah. He will. Yeah, no, and, and the, the thing is, like Taku said, these. The, the, the comic and the sketches are supposed to be in continuity with each other, even if they don't seem like it at times. But yeah, the, 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 there, there's going to be some bleed over and, and maybe that'll make more sense when the, the story is more fleshed out. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, like there are, uh, uh, there's an entire, um, basically, Snackberg is surrounded by other very silly situations and people, and the entire world is just very silly. And uh, yeah, it it is. It really is. We've gone off on a very long and strange tangent from world building. That is something that we are good at. Yes. It is something we're very good at. I believe that has yeah. been well established with many, many long and detailed um, character stories and, and experiences. So none of that is incongruous for the setting that our dear listeners are expecting. Oh snap! No, nice no, they're going to be they're going to be standing there going, "My Ludo narrative is in here." Ah, oh, that's harsh. <laughs> and then they'll just, you know, fade away into dust as a, a man with a very, very fabulous mustache just goes, yeah, serves you right, you dang fairy. <laughs> now that is a reference that no one will get. That's what we do best. Yep. 
another thing, like, I don't know, this kind of popped in my head just now. It's like, guys, seriously, you don't have to claim that the show or game or movie or book that you're reading, you can enjoy something and still point out like, Hey, the world building here is not actually that good. And, And going back to an earlier example, like avatar does not have strong world building guys. I'm sorry. I know you're like, ah, but for a kid's show. Yeah. Stop using that excuse. You know, it's an excuse. I know it's an excuse. Stop treating it as such. Okay. Okay. All right. You know what? Here, I'll do you one better. Sure. Now, here's a show that I love. Here's a show that I love. Uh, I think you love it too. And I think that Noodle loves it. Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball has absolutely awful world building. Oh, yeah, it the does. Fights make no sense. Oh, God, Basically, yes. the, power, the power system doesn't make sense. Like, at least with Naruto and Bleach, they kind of go into, well, you see spirit energy or chakras like this, and you can do this with it. And if you, uh, you know, if you combine certain types of chakra together, you can do additional things. But you have to be careful because if your chakra gets to zero, then you die. That's a uh, that's bad thing. You know, you, you, dying's bad. You don't want to do dying. <laughs> dying's bad. Okay. Uh, Shouldn't die. Yeah, okay. you know, we, we don't have Dragon Balls in this world, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's Wish true. Yeah, like, so, like uh, and even what little world building was done in Dragon Ball Classic, Dragon Ball Z basically came in and just demolished. Yeah, every single additional time Toriyama set something up, he kind of goes, uh, you know, I can't do that again because uh, people are just going to go, oh, we can well, no, you see, there's an additional clause on the Dragon Ball rules. See, here down at the bottom, it says you can't wish they were the same thing twice, except that we ignore that. For That's when you definitely reason. can. <laughs> or how Earth's Dragon Balls are supposed to grant two wishes, and except the times where Toriyama forgets that's a thing. Yeah. 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 I mean, he did famously write the entire thing on a month by month, week by week basis. Yeah. Whereas, um, unlike, you know, your, 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 your personal favorite, you know, battle manga of all time there, Professor. You know, Luffy, Luffy's Bizarre Adventure. This. Where he had a plan, <laughs> decided not to stick with it, and just keep tacking things on. Well, he has a plan, and, and it, it, yeah, he just keeps tacking things onto it, which is kind of a problem. Um, but, I mean, I, you got to admit, you know, he does have a plan, and it is pretty crazy how, like, in-depth the world of One Piece is. The problem I mean, is, I'm though... Glad my favorite fighting manga stopped long before I ever started reading it. And that's why Fist of the North Star is the best. Like, there's a question for you. Oh, okay. Here's a question for you, Master Dutaku. Uh, Is is One Piece have good world building, or is there just a lot of it? I argue it has good world building because the world that it sets up is not only conducive to its theme, but also it is all internally consistent. Um, 
and also is, and, and, and this is a personal, this is entirely subjective. Uh, you know, it doesn't take itself terribly seriously. I mean, That's true. you know, this is the same, this is the same world where it's like, ah, we have, you know, a, a oppressive world government that literally has people who call themselves, you know, the assembly of gods and, you know, rule over people and treat, um, people's lives like you know just a disposable resource and in the same oh, comic, the way, we have Sarah. a guy who literally his, his training arc was running on an island for two years straight no oh dude that we have an entire thing uh, series chapter pages where one of the major uh arc villains who basically is yeeted up the planet goes to the moon and becomes king of the moon against alien invaders. That checks out. And it's like, yes, in our pirate manga, just we have this one guy and he just becomes king of the moon. Because, yeah, okay, he's just king of the moon now. Yep. That's fair. You know, you, you, you raise a fair point there. Like, there are some stories out there where like it's not even good world building they just try to pour a lot into it to like make it look like there is but don't be confused quality uh, and quantity are definitely two different monsters that's and fair. although i would i would wonder what you what what you would say is a you know example of uh, a quantity of the quality I mean, I, I have some uh, ideas. D&D? Where D&D is just like, guys, we have all these novels, and all of them are in this huge multiverse, and they're all shallow as crap. I mean, you could argue that, that that's kind of the same problem that Warhammer has, where it's basically like, it has a lot of cool ideas, and you realize it's basically just every him going... Okay, so I got a little bit of Frank Herbert, and I got a little bit of Asimov, and I got a little bit of you know heavy metal magazine, and I just put it in a blender, and then I put it on puree, and voila, it's a new setting. It's like that's basically what D and D is too, except yep. it's like I got a little bit of Warcock, I got a little bit of Jack Vance's Dying Ear, got a little bit of the Hyperion Cantos. Hardy Dash of Tolkien's works, though very, very dumbed down. Yes. Voila! They have the trappings of Tolkien. They do not have any of the actual meat and potatoes of Tolkien. Because if people actually knew anything about Tolkien's world building, we'd have a lot more fantasy stories with literal epic rap battles. And I'd be okay with that. I would be very okay with that. Are you saying... Are you saying that Bard should be able to just instantly destroy undead the way Tom Bombadil did against the Agmarian Whites? When he's just like, oh, hum, 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 diddle, you should return to the Barrow. And they go, and shriek away from this little godlike being. I mean, I was referring to literally the second most epic battle in Tolkien's Legendarium being a literal rap battle between an elvish king and Sauron. But, yeah, that works too. To say nothing of his penchant for having characters break out in song, like, 
Bilbo is trapped in the forest, and there's all these spiders. The spiders have kidnapped the dwarves. What does he do? He starts calling them Addercop and Tom Noddy, because don't you know, spiders hate being called Tom Noddy. Hey, that's our word. <laughs> Bilbo Baggins was just canceled today. Oof. See that that is some deep world building, man. He just knows spiders. That that's the spiders N word. Oh. All right, we're now at eight minutes into this. I think it's safe to say that kind of joke. You know, I'm just saying though that that's that's one of the things that I really dislike about the Peter Jackson Hobbit movies is that it takes itself entirely too seriously. It really does. And I mean, also the fact that yeah, it it kind of is like oh. The elves are just so above it. Yeah, and that's the reason why they literally escape in the book. Because you guys are partying so hard that you get, you know, absolutely slobber-knockered. And they can just leave. They just leave. We're, just what are you guys partying left. about? We're partying with the Festival of the Stars. Because we can see the stars tonight. Can't you see the stars every night? <laughs> yep. Sure can. No, no, you don't. You don't understand, J.R. Tolkien says, you know, <laughs> puffing on his face. Don't you understand that the stars are actually their ancient ancestors on a giant skyship flying through the sky, helping them in order to see as a guiding, as a guidepost, in order to ensure that they are able to return to the land of Valinor. Um, actually, stars in Tolkien's Legendarium are the bits of dew that were upon the two twin trees of light that absorbed the light of the trees when it was killed. (laughs) Wasn't, you know, okay, I'm talking about the, um, the, basically his, his pole star is effectively, yeah, it was, was the one guy's, um, was the one, yeah, it was. His pole star his pole star, not his pole star, his Venus, um, is Elrond's gra- uh, is Elrond's dad. <laughs> True story. Elrond's dad is literally Venus as he flies around in his magic spaceship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm failing to see a problem. Oh. oh, yeah, and by the way, they're, they're literally like the last battle of the first age was uh, Satan going, I don't have anything left. All my demons are just send all the dragons! All the dragons! All the dragons! There's an entire continent-sized series of dragons. And Elrond's dad just goes, Honey, give me the bigger arrows. And then he flies down with his magical spaceship and he kills the continent-sized dragon, yes. Mm-hmm. As you do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like, you know, how you do. Well, he was a level 20, he was a level 21 sorcerer, don't you know? I, I'm sorry, I seem to recall half-elves being a race at one point. But, or be, not being a race, being a class at one point in D&D. Oh, so yeah. Obviously, Back in he the was AD&D, a Yeah. Yeah. This is what Uh, I'm talking about. I'm so sorry, everyone who is listening to this. 
I'm so sorry to have subjected you to our nerd knowledge. <laughs> There's been a lot of that this episode, hasn't there? You know, they just need you just need the Spider-Man meme where he's like, this post gave me cancer. It's like this podcast gave me cancer. <laughs> <laughs> All this nerd radiation just seeping off of it. Okay, okay, okay. You know what? I, I'm going to bring up a, a postulate, and I've, I've talked to Cognitive Taco about this, and I forget if I've specifically brought it up in the podcast, but uh, people are really pretentious about nerddom, and the thing that, that annoys me to no end is if when, when, I was, when I was but a wee lad riding my ankylosaur to class every day, I got into Lord of the Rings well before the advent of the films. And partly because my mother was a big fan. She was like, hey, if you like fantasy books, you'll really like these. And I did. And it was like, uh, you, you read Lord of the Rings? You're such a nerd. Fast forward a couple of years, and people are like, oh my god, I love Game of Thrones. It's so, so edgy and mature, like me. Like, I'm an edgy and mature person, so it totally speaks to me. But like, not not like baby fantasy. Like, like, yeah, just Game of Thrones because it's edgy and adult. It's the most juvenile reaction to media I think I've ever seen. I think I finally came up with a word to call it when I was in college. I call it the Dark Knight effect. Because that was around the time where superhero movies were really starting to escalate and people were like excited for Marvel films. And that feels like an eternity ago now that I'm saying it out loud. But like we had already had like Iron Man, we had Sam Raimi's Spider Man movies, you know, the good Spider Man movies. And like I think Captain America was just about to come out and they had announced that Green Lantern was getting a movie and I didn't know it was garbage yet. I was still <laughs> excited for it. Let me have this. <laughs> okay, okay. So then like people like, there was such this like cultural divide of people who were like, yeah, these movies are like really fun. They're great popcorn munchers or fun water cooler chat. It's good stuff. And then the dark night drops. And I remember Kyle was like, dude, we gotta go see this. And I'm like, Okay, okay, fine. Batman Begins was pretty good. So I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm down. I went and saw it, and oh my god, that movie drags on so long. You could cut the entire last hour of the film out and make it its own separate movie because they basically just used up the Two-Face plotline. Guess they weren't interested in capitalizing on that at all. Like, it, I did not like that movie. And I was like, oh my god, guys, you don't understand. The Dark Knight descended from the heavens and like made me see that superheroes could be dark and edgy and mature, like me, because I am a dark and mature person. And I'm like, shut up. You are so full of crap. You are to this point where you're just afraid that people will have a different opinion than you. So you're just like hiding any love you have of this nerd culture and only embracing it when it's broadly, like broadly speaking, popular enough for you to finally be like, Oh yeah, I was into dark Knight was so cool. Shut up. All of you to shut up. You, you, you are tools. If, if you did that, I'm sorry. You're a tool. That, that is why I call it the dark Knight effect. The, we're not talking about the new metal band either. <laughs> no, just no nerd tool. Yeah. You're a rake. You are a person of ill repute. Oh, man. That, that's a smart can, joke. Can I be a wrench? No. Can I be a wrench? Wrenches are useful. Oh. I live in a desert oh. where rakes are useless, so you are a rake. Not, not even for like a Zen garden? 
And that's a different kind of rake. You're a regular rake, like a Home Depot rake. Oh. No, you're, you're like the Dollar Tree rake. Like the cheap plastic wow. ones. Oh, that, no. That break <laughs> after like two uses. I'm oh, plus hey. We are. We are. Ooh. Poor Jimmy Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> we are not being kind to Jimmy Jimmy this episode. Yeah, it's like, I, I call, that's why I call it the Dark Knight effect. Because it's the same thing. Game of Thrones is the same thing. Dark Knight did the same thing. They're like, huh, the nerd stuff, yeah, that's your kids. Up until something opens the door, and then they're like, quote unquote, allowed to like, like it and not compromise their social standing. It's like, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. And if you can't be like mature enough to just like what you like and not have to quantify everything with the, well, I was against it up until I wasn't, then like, no, just no. Get out of here with that. Yeah. I mean, although I will say this, the, the like constant obsession with like, very, very childish things is somewhat worrying. Oh no, like, certainly. The fact that we actually have like Buzz entire BuzzFeed articles about this bluey episode was, you know, life changing to me. I'm like, why are you an adult watching a, a children's cartoon? And I know for a fact that you do not have any children. You see, this is not a this is not a episode this is not a situation like Yutaku you know, watching My Little Pony because his little sister, you know, little, little Babby Pugum, you know, was like, Itaku, yeah, we're watching ponies. Oh, you mean the Manly Show? <laughs> and then she would punch me and then we would watch ponies. And yeah, so Mama Pugum would see it and go, oh, you're a Brody. I'm like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof. And Why did you say Nick. this to me? <laughs> I, I I'm glad that that tiny tiny babby baby sister Pugum never asked me to watch the pony show with her. I guess that means what? ponies must be very efficient. Yes, ponies must be very efficient. The whole thing is about friendship, she, and you can only be her friend if you're efficient. So ponies, by extension, must be very efficient. Yes, she still, loves, she still loves it to us today. It's one of those things, you know. Right. She she still likes me. Yes, I I did not I did not get tapped to do ponies with her. I got tapped to play Fist of the North Star with her. <laughs> did you play Ray? That that's what drew her in. Ray with his very pretty long hair and the fact that he punched people so hard they are he you know cut people up and they exploded. Well, that's because uh, Ray yeah, is awesome. Say, so, and I gotta say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to add to the bit when I get to the bank plan next episode for my project. Uh, I'm gonna have to talk about you know that that bit you had, which is like what? Okay, noodle. Yeah. Why is it that all the bad guys are exploding into milk and he just turns to her like he had this in his head the whole time. He goes, why are they exploding into white stuff? Because they drank their milk. And I was like, wow, you just got that right out of your head. That was that was fantastic. <laughs> it just they drank their milk. Like, that's why everyone's I mean, not that, you know, 
it's censored blood. No, they drink the milk. Yep. Like you do. That's because yeah. I, I, I could be Babby Pugum's friend and I because I am very efficient, obviously. That's true. Well, I mean, I, I guess I have to hand it to you there. I mean, I, I am efficient. I'm not bad at vision. <laughs> I, I don't know. We, we've had those those, moments, those brilliant flashes where the lightning hits. So he gets I mean, really mad at. She gets really mad at us now whenever we say that, <laughs> even though it's just kind of become a thing in, in the family. No, no, I, I regale my family with that story regularly too. <laughs> That and the story where we got to explain to her about ancient technology and how you had to dial into the internet. And she thought you and I were making it up until Mama Pugum stepped in and told her that we were telling the truth. Mm-hmm. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Many four truths got asked those days. <laughs> yes, you have to understand that um, out of all the things that uh, Noodle and I have done, one of the things that I of regret was when baby Pugum was you know was still actually a baby rather than being the young lady that she is now uh we may have messed with her a little bit i wouldn't say gaslighting but (laughs) i wouldn't go as far as to say gaslighting her but we were totally gaslighting her but we were totally gaslighting her, and it was kind of a thing where she went later to her therapist and was like, I have trust issues. <laughs> I have no idea if anything that anyone tells me is actually true. <laughs> uh, oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, I like Family is great. We were just trying to be funny big brothers. <laughs> the yeah. Pugum teasing tends to go too far, and the younger Pugums become distrustful and grow up into deceitful Pugums all their own. This it's is the, the life Pugum cycle. Circle of life. Not paying for that either. <laughs> we are all connected in the great circle of of abuse. <laughs> we all abuse each other in different ways. Well, I mean, I guess it is that like the song bad. goes. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the song goes, you know, some people want to abuse you, some people want to be abused, some people are pugums, and those guys are jerks. Oh, uh, so it's okay if we you know, use lyrics, but if we if you speak them slowly enough that the YouTube auto detect can't catch it, then it's fine. But you also can't wear the bit out, so it's a balancing act. I think it's going to be a long, long time. Ah, we're getting the Shatner rendition, I see. So touchdown brings me around again to five. I think the people I'm at home are finding <laughs> that they're, a hun- they're, they're an hour and 23 minutes into this, and we have veered off wildly off topic once again. No, so, no. L- l- let's uh, broach final thoughts, shall we? Master Jutaku, okay. why, don't, why don't you uh, do, do your final thoughts? Um, well, world building is good. You should build the world. 
That's why Minecraft is so popular. That's true. Also, uh, Steven Universe and Avatar reading tripe, and really, <laughs> I never do not understand why they are popular. Um, and you can like things even if they are not perfect, because nothing is, except mm-hmm. for Madaka Box. Not everything <laughs> can be put on. Fair. Fair. Master Noodle. Um, yeah. I second Madaka Box being perfect. Um, <laughs> but yes, just closing thoughts. Uh, yeah, you can, you can like things even though they're bad. And you can like things even if you recognize their flaws. And just because you point out the flaws in something doesn't mean you don't like it. That means that you just see their flaws and you might want to make it better. That's true. And mm-hmm. pointing out the flaws is the first step to making it better. So then, yeah, you can improve those things that you like. And that's mm-hmm. why we're picking nerd assholes. Yeah. Because we like mm-hmm. them. Want it to be better. Mm-hmm. There is there is wisdom. And, yeah. And, you know, understanding and if anything that just shows that you have a higher level of understanding than just going, Oh, me am thing thing am good. It's like, yeah, but I am thing good. Oh me grug am no no, because grug am caveman. <laughs> grug am only look at magic skybox. The grug is only into it because rest of tribe is into it. Why, why you got to call out and Brug? <laughs> Poor Brug. He, he lives a it's tough okay, life. You, you, you can be into it because other things are into it. Other people are into it, and the rest of the tribe is into it. Just acknowledge that that is why you are into it. Be, That's yeah. okay. Be honest. You can, you can like things that are popular, and you can like things unashamedly. Yeah, Ditaku. Yeah, Ditaku. Ditaku. You can also dislike things that are popular. I have under no idea what anyone's talking about. Right now. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm, I'm the guy with the hipster down. glasses. And it's Ditaku over here who's like, ugh, thing is popular. <laughs> thing is dumb. And I'm just I mean, like, okay, buddy. I, can't, I cannot say anything about Avatar The Last Airbender because. I have never watched a single episode of Avatar The Last Airbender, and I have no intention of ever doing so. So, Fair. So, I mean, when you're talking about pure hipster dub in that, I... I no, yeah, I, mean, I mean... But isn't that yeah, the fun... Noodle, you know, Noodle just putting on, putting on his parade, you know, and doffing his cap and just going... Ah, poor Jitaku. You see, uh, you're not you with the average hipster anymore. Full hipster. I have ascended beyond. (laughs) But yeah, that's actually like actually kind of a profound thing. It's like if you're not going to watch it, if you're not going to read it, if you're not going to interact, that's fine and that's fair. But be honest that that's the situation that you're addressing it from. Uh, Like for example, when I first started seeing stuff from Undertale. I just missed it out of hand because first off, it was everywhere. And I was just like, oh my God, shut up. I don't care. And I had a friend who was like, dude, you haven't played the game. And I was like, that's fair. 
you know what? You, you have called me out, and you are 100% right, and that is not fair for me to do. Then I played the game, and I'm like, okay, it still sucks, but now I know why. Hey, you guys want to do that for the next episode? Why Snack doesn't like Undertale or Mother 3? Want to just burn this channel to the ground and lose all our subs? Because I think that's what I want to do. You know what? Sure. <laughs> At the same time, you know what you need to do? You need to, you need to do this and, while, and then play Leap of Eight. Or, or Yeek. Fair. You know what? I actually owe or, Yeek a revisit because they did the uh, story overhaul and I have not played that. That's fair. I know one, you know, rip, ripping pepperonis old and alpaca. That entire scene <laughs> is like so tonally whiplash that it's like it is it is like the precise level of bad humor that I love. <laughs> We're having a deep moment of pathos. Watch out, guys! Golden alpaca. Yep. Yep. This guy's uh, trying to talk about how he lost his sister, and then golden alpaca. Beautiful. So yep. that brings today's episode of the Tomodachi Bros podcast to its finale. Like, comment, share, subscribe, show your mom, show your friends, show your enemies. Maybe they'll hate watch. I don't know. I'll take it. Show your, your teachers to show that you're hip and with the times, as the children of youth do say. Probably, probably shouldn't do that, actually. It's, it's probably going to get you bullied. I mean, you're a nerd. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for watching anyway and putting up with our infinite nerddom. This has been Dutaku and Noodle joining me today for this episode. Sign off, guys. Goodbye. We'll be back. Titaku will return. That's right. Next episode for the Arongers. <laughs> and we will see you guys there. Thank you for listening to the Tomodachi Brothers Review Podcast, produced and recorded by The Hipster Snack, Ditaku, and Cog. Sound design and editing by executive producer Sean Taylor Brown with Cog Sound Engineering. Music written and performed by Sean Taylor Brown with Costas Voss of Core Insight Studio on the drums. We hope you enjoyed this episode. See you next time.